Thank you for downloading this podcast from Emmanuel Church Lurgan. At Emmanuel, our vision is to help rewrite the story of Craigavon, Ireland and the nations with the good news of the Kingdom of God. We hope you enjoy listening to this message. We are on the theme of Welcome Holy Spirit, as you know, and uh, we've been talking for weeks basically now about who the Holy Spirit is, who um, uh, more so than what he does. And today is a little shift. Today is a, the shift of now we're not going to talk so much about who he is, um, but we're going to talk over the next three weeks about what he does or what he gives. So along with the help of Dave and Rick, over the next three weeks, we're going to talk about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. That's, uh, that's the, the, the job that we have. All right, um, and this is, the, as I said, the transition more of who he is than to what he does and how he actually empowers us for ministry. When you come to the New Testament, there are two um, words for gifts. One is charisma, or the word charismata. Some of you will maybe recognize, and it means grace. So if you have somebody in here called Charis, um, which is a, a common name today, well, maybe not so common, but it's a beautiful name, and it means grace. Charisma is the word grace or charismata. It's found in 1 Corinthians 12. When I was in India back in 2006, everywhere I went, whenever you went into a a new place, what they did was they put a gracelet of flowers around my neck. The kids would come and I'd have to get down and the kids would put these flowers over my head. That's what this word means. It's a gracelet. It's something that's put upon you. It's endowed upon you as a, as a thing of honor. It's a very powerful word. The word derea um, means a gift freely given, not acquired by merit or by entitlement. So you didn't deserve this in any shape or form. And so when it comes to the gifts in Ephesians 4, which we'll see in a minute, both of these words manifest the present reality of God in our midst. That's just important for you to know. Both words um, manifest the present reality of God in our midst. And two gifts that every believer has are these, the gift, the charisma of eternal life. It was graced upon you. You didn't deserve it. You didn't earn it. It was graced upon you. And then the exchange came when the gracelet of uh, charisma, of of redemption was placed upon you, the exchange came and the derea of righteousness was handed to you that um, was unmerited. It's, it's, it's stunning, really. And so Romans six twenty three. some of you will recognize that, the wages of sin is death and the gift of God is eternal life. And Romans five seventeen is quite a long verse, but it talks about the provision of grace and the gift of righteousness that we get when we... Um, when we come to faith in Jesus Christ. And as well as changing us from the inside out and empowering a transformation within us to become more like Jesus, the Holy Spirit actually now empowers us to get the work done. There's a job to do, all right? And so Jesus calls us to be like him, to do his work. So we need to 
completely depend on the Holy Spirit. This is what we've been talking about now for quite a number of weeks, the dependence on the Holy Spirit. Really important. And it's not that we're highlighting the Holy Spirit over the Father and the Son. We're just talking about the Holy Spirit at the moment. We're, we're pulling on this member of the Godhead, maybe the one that's the most misunderstood, just to talk about him for a few weeks. Not to highlight him more than the others in any shape or form, because God the Father, we're Trinitarian in belief. And what that means is that we believe in three in one, that God the Father is a person, God the Son is a person, God the Holy Spirit is a person that are so united in one, um, they are so powerful. So we're going to look specifically over the next three weeks at 1 Corinthians 12. Um, and But before I do this, I think it's important for me to highlight maybe a little bit of, of, of confusion around the gift. Some people think there's passages in the Scripture that contradict one another. The Bible never contradicts um, itself. It's understanding that whenever you're a studier of the Bible, that in context, it takes the Scripture to interpret Scripture. And what I mean by that is it's very easy to take a verse and bend it to what you mean. It's very easy to take a verse out of context and bend it to what you'd like it to mean. Um, but whenever we read Scripture, it takes all of Scripture. As we're reading it all, it begins to interpret itself. And so there are three main passages in the Bible that talk to us about giftings. And um, just in case you've ever been confused about what did one contradict the other, let me set the scene for that <clears throat> at the start this morning and show you <clears throat> what those three different gift sets are. The first set of giftings are found in Romans 12. And in Romans 12, we call those the gifts of the Father. And the reason we call them the gifts of the Father is that because they were God-given. They're made in us. These are motivational gifts. These are basic life purpose gifts. These are the things that fire up our hearts. All right? These were born in you. You actually didn't need to be a believer to have these. These are because every, every person ever born is born in the image of God. All right? Even, even before they're redeemed, <laughs> they're born in the image of God, even in our fallen state. Incredible, isn't it? And so these motivational gifts are born in us, and there's seven of them we'll find, 21 in total when we look at all of these giftings. So prophecy, serving, teaching, encouraging, giving, leadership, and the mercy gifts. And these are more linked, as I said, to our personalities, daily activities, and natural abilities. These are what you're good at sometimes known, as I say, as the gifts of the Father because we're born in his image. And they reflect something of the image of God. And so it's beautiful. And it's only when that gift is led. I prayed this with a team at the start this morning. It's only when that gift is led um, at Jesus' feet, at the foot of the cross, surrendered to Jesus and made holy, can we truly see this used effectively for the kingdom. And so that's really important. And as we give our lives to Jesus and surrender our gifts to him, become part of the church, we bring our teaching gifts, we bring our serving gifts, we bring our giving, we bring our leadership, we bring our mercy. The, the, one of the great passages that reminds us about that is, is Acts chapter 10 with Cornelius, who before he got saved, before he met Peter, before redemption came into his life, it said that his much giving, his alms, giving to the poor, had come up before God. He was a giver, born in him. So he didn't need to be a Christian to be a giver. <laughs> it was born in him. And God recognized it. God saw it. Um, 
uh, which is very powerful. So those are the gifts of um, the Father, basic life-born-in-you gift, gifts. The second little set to talk about are the gifts of the Son. So we've, got the, we've got the motivational gifts. These are the ministry gifts. These are to facilitate and to equip the body of Christ. And um, the, the motivation gifts are why we do what we do, the ministry gifts are where we live it out. This is where we begin to live it out. These are the gifts that the Bible said Jesus gave to the church. That's what the verse says in uh, Ephesians 4.11. So Christ himself gave apostles and prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, the teachers. Why? To equip his people for the works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. If a church doesn't equip people, then it's not really a church. If a church just exists so leadership do all the work, then it's not really working to its ability. The role of leadership is to equip the body, to equip the saints, to do the work of the ministry. And these are what's known as the five-fold ministry. This is what we based our church on back 26 years ago. We based it on the five-fold ministry. The reason being, um, one of my elders back then was an old apostolic minister who had retired. He's gone home to be with the Lord now, Jimmy. And Jimmy taught me about the five-fold ministry. I'd never heard it before. And... Um, and so we began to realize that if the church was going to exist, it had to be built in the pattern of the New Testament church. Hence, we believe that we are a five-fold ministry church. And as we study this, we begin to see beyond doubt that these are the gifts that the church is fundamentally and foundationally built on. And I want to talk about those for a moment. These five giftings are the extension and the continuation of the original ministry of Jesus, hence Jesus is the archetype leader of each of these. Hence, he gives these gifts to the church. Jesus was all of these, and he's giving something of himself as he goes back to heaven on which to build the church on. These gifts in Ephesians are what the other gifts all organize themselves around. These are the fundamental life-giving gifts to the church. So the apostle, the first one there, I put a little <clears throat> thing about them. He just looks over. He's an overseer, all right? Pioneering. The word means sent one, all right? Ensures the church stays true to its calling and reaches the world. Layers of foundations, master builder, architect, um, custodian of the DNA, making sure the DNA of the church is right all the time. I say sometimes in our elders' meetings that there's um, thermometers and thermostats. And thermometers take the temperature, thermostats set the temperature. And as leaders, we're called to be thermostats, not thermometers. Now and again, we need to be thermometers and take the temperature, but the thermostat sets the temperature. And so it's really important to understand that the prophet is just somebody that looks ahead. Um, and um, they're called to maintain the faithfulness of the people of God. They are the, the, gar, the guardians of the covenant relationship of God, and they bring God's heart to us. They bring us into divine focus. They understand God's heart and man's reality and, and, and speaks into the gap. And, um, and then the evangelist looks for. He's looking for. He's the recruiter to the, recruiter to the cause, um, he or she, naturally infectious, who is able to enlist into a movement, 
by transmitting the gospel. They connect well with people, and they're great at sharing the good news. And then the shepherd or the pastor looks out, nurturer of spiritual development, formation, maintaining community health, how the flock relates to one another, passionate about loving community and uh, among God's people. And then the teacher looks within and meditates wisdom and understanding, brings depth and substance to the revelation. Way back a number of years ago, maybe 10, 12 years ago, we felt that um, we felt that we'd got relatively good at three of these. We felt that um, the, the final three, the evangelist, the pastor, and the teacher were what we called almost like horizontal gifts. They minister into the body. But what the church has forgot today is that the role of the apostle and the prophet is still very much um, paramount in the church. And if we forget about those, what we, what we do is we miss the horizontal connection to heaven. That's why in Acts chapter 6, you see, the apostles said, you know, it's not good for us to wait in tables. Now, what, what they weren't saying was, they weren't just getting big-headed. They weren't big-headed and thinking, now the church has grown, there's a few thousand people, we, we need to put our suits and shirts and ties on, let somebody else do the hard work and we'll, we'll lay us back. That's not what they were saying. They were saying, guys, Somebody's getting food that shouldn't get food. People's not getting food that should get food. Somebody, there, there needs to be a divine aspect of this. Somebody needs to give themselves to prayer and to the word. And so the horizontal gifts, the gift of the apostle and the prophet connect us to heaven. And we've, we experienced that back then and began to realize that there was something about the fivefold that we were actually missing. And these, in some way, these Ephesians 4 giftings are more substantial and definite and fixed gifts for the church. They're foundational, more vocational calling gifts. And it's around these gifts, as I say, all the other gifts are organized. They're, it's a bit like you could call these ones the interpreting center for the rest of it all. So it's really important. And, and listen to me. These aren't just leadership. These are you. There are people with apostolic gifts, prophetic gifts, evangelistic gifts, pastor gifts, and teacher gifts all through this body of people this morning. And that's how the fivefold works. It's not just the leadership carry the fivefold mantle. You carry it. And you will find some of these giftings in you. And as I say, the other kind of complement these gifts, they're sometimes referred to as offices in the church. These are the offices, not just gifts, because they're more permanent and more vocational for the life of the church. And Jesus wants these to be flowing. All right, I, I say sometimes when I'm doing leadership stuff and, and, and when I'm visiting in other churches, um, it says, so Christ himself give. So I say to the leaders, these people are in your church because Jesus has already given them. <laughs> he gives them. You don't, you don't just hunt them out. All right, he gives them so they're already there. All right, so it's really important to understand that. And because it's important that as a church, the actual body of Christ, the ministry of Christ, the character of Christ is flowing amongst us. So as I say again, it's not just one person who's the apostle and one person who's the prophet and one person who's the pastor or one evangelist or one teacher. It's all of that coming. And sure, some people will be more aligned to some of these gifts than others, but um, it's releasing them into the life of the body. That's why we do all the things we do. 
ignite and all of that and grow. All, we're trying to stir up the giftings. We're trying to equip the body for the work of the ministry. So we've got motivation gifts. We've got ministry gifts. And then the gifts of the Spirit are the manifestation gifts, 1 Corinthians 12, that we're going to spend the next um, three weeks on. And they are to empower the church for ministry. They are the empowering gifts, all right? They're the dunamis, all right? And there's nine of them. That makes us up to 21, all right? There's nine of them. There's wisdom, there's knowledge, there's faith, healing, miracles, prophecy, discernment, tongues, and interpretation of tongues. And again, I said these gifts are known as the charismata, the gifts of grace, because they're gifts of grace, the better we are at grace, the more effective these gifts will be. That's important to note. The better we are at grace, the more effective these gifts will be. And these are the tools that we need to get the job done. The best way, I've taught this in Ignite over the last few years, the best way to explain this is if you could think of building a house. If you think of building a house, um, you would bring in the architect and the builder and the interior designer and you'd look at the site and you'd think about what you want. That's the Ephesians 4 giftings. They're the, the ones that are, are, are doing the planning, doing the architecting, doing the, the actual, what, what way is this going to look? And then, of course, they bring in people with their own unique flavor and natural giftedness. So you'll find the, the joiners and the builders and blah, 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 all plumbers all coming in now um, as they start to use their natural giftings and their learned skills and trades to build the house. And then, um, of course, to do that, they need the tools. They need the tools. And that's what the 1 Corinthians 12 gifts are. So 1 Corinthians 12, let's take 10 minutes or so um, and look at three of these gifts. I want to read a couple of passages in 1 Corinthians 12. I've, um, I've split it up a little bit, but Go with me on it. Now, about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. That's really important. So the gifts are important. Paul is saying, I don't want you to be, the authorized uses the word ignorant. I don't want you to be ignorant of these gifts. Let's not just push them to the side, all right? Verse 4 says, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of workings, but in all of them and in everything, it is the same God at work. He goes on in verse 8 to say, To one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. These are the nine gifts here. To another, a message of knowledge by the means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between the Spirits. To another, different kinds of tongues. And still to another, the interpretation of those tongues. So all in all, basically that passage is revealing those nine gifts, all right? And there's a divine order. This passage is set within a number of chapters in 1 Corinthians where Paul is instructing the church in the dynamics of public worship. And they've messed it up a little bit, I have to say, all right? Paul's, um, they've over-accessed in tongues. They're standing in the queue at Tesco's talking in tongues, that's what it sort of 
I relate. That's the way I think about it. And they're, and they're using it as a spiritual, I'm a spiritual person because I can do that, and you're not a spiritual to me because you can't do it. And Paul is coming against this. Paul's intention here is to encourage people in the spiritual gifts by bringing a degree of appropriate order to what happens when the church gets together. So he's correcting their over-access in tongues. And the true spirituality is a life of love. This is what he's trying to say. So connected to the above, there seems to be a bit of confusion as to what actually makes you a spirit-filled person. And the Corinthians had elevated this gift of tongues above the others. Paul's rectifying this by sandwiching between his passages on spiritual gifts, which is 1 Corinthians 12 and 1 Corinthians 14, the greatest chapter in love in the whole Bible, 1 Corinthians 13. And he sandwiches it right in between the two passages on gifts. Very powerful. Paul wants the church to know that if you don't have love, you have nothing. He says you're just a gangling or clanging cymbal or a a loud, just a loud noise. That's all it is. And so there's this degree of correction that Paul's bringing to this passage. But the problem with this is, the problem with this is important to balance with his correction the encouragement to pursue spiritual gifts. Because he says this when he, when he does the great chapter of love in, in, in chapter 13, he goes into verse 1 of chapter 14, and he says, pursue love, definitely, but earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. I want you to pursue love. I want you to make sure love is the number one thing in your life. But don't forget to earnestly desire these spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. The gifts of the Spirit are spiritual, are supernatural endowments that come from the Spirit to disclose the Spirit's activity in our midst. That's what the gifts of the Spirit do. And they are a bit more situational at specific times for specific causes. The gifts of the Spirit are given to us to reveal the treasure of God's heart. And here's the thing that I need you to note. They belong to the Spirit. They're gifts of the Spirit. They belong to Him. They don't belong to you. So don't ever misuse them. Don't ever mistreat them because they're not yours. So that's why I can't go up the road and set up my little Philip Emerson healing shop because it's not my gift. It's his gift. And he gives it at specific times. That's why public gatherings are really important. That's why over the last few weeks, now that we're allowed to, we've been maybe calling people up for prayer because that's actually a prime moment that the spiritual gifts begin to work, begin to flow. And, um, and so some people believe that the gifts of the Holy Spirit aren't for the day. That's uh, uh, the, the big word for that is cessationism. So people who are cessationists don't believe that the gifts of the Spirit are for the day. And there's many people like that. It holds to the need that their, the gifts stopped after the early church. And there's a couple of reasons for that that I don't want to go into today. But I believe there's no doubt that the apostles did live at a pretty strategic and significant time, an exceptional time. There's no doubt about that. But I believe if they need them, we need them. I believe if they needed them, we need them. And the Bible is very clear. The gifts of the Spirit is for today. That's why Paul says we need to pursue spiritual gifts. Paul said to the Corinthians that he didn't want them to be ignorant. He didn't want them to be um, misaligned about what the spiritual gifts would do. 
And we are not a charismatic church simply because we've got contemporary music and we have drums and stuff like that. And I love our worship teams. That's not what makes us a charismatic church. We are a charismatic church because we believe in the gifts and the manifestation of the Holy Spirit. That's what makes us a charismatic church. And it's a very important thing. And in the simplest way, these are the tools that Jesus gives us to get the job done, all right? You can imagine in my building the house scenario, if we had the first two, but we didn't have the tools, we would be running about everywhere looking to know how to do it. So we need the tools. And, um, and, and they, again, I say this, and it's important to note this, they belong to the Spirit, they're supernatural graces, they're heaven's design breaking into the everyday, naturally supernatural, all right? Supernatural. The super is God's bit, the natural is your bit. Supernatural, working together with God, all right? So when it comes to the gifts of the Spirit, we are to live lives humbly before the Lord, knowing it's not of us, but when God comes and gives us these, this is something so powerful. Now, John Wimber, who was the founder of the um, uh, vineyard movement, broke the nine gifts of the Spirit into three parts, which I thought was very helpful. And so I'm going to talk to you here just for a couple of minutes about three of them, um, and then Dave next week about the other three, and then Rick's going to do the final three. And he talked about the eyes of God. The first, the words of wisdom, words of knowledge and faith were the eyes of God. And then the next three, the gifts of healing, miracles and prophecy were the hand of God. And then the last three were the mouth of God. All right, the graceless of power, the mouth of God. So I'm going to talk to you for two texts about three of them, all right? I can't elaborate on them, but um, they're, they're, they're beautiful. I was going to say they're simple ones, but they are, but they're beautiful, all right? Words of wisdom. Words of wisdom are divine knowledge that break into a situation, all right? A word of wisdom might also be when uh, it almost feels like a door has been opened to you uh, uh, and you have a way through a situation. I'm talking to Philip, uh, Philip's uh, house coordinator today, Philip McMath, and talking today just about this, Philip, we were talking before the service just about w- the words of knowledge. You just wouldn't have any way of knowing this was going to happen and some of the things that have happened in, in their life just over the last weeks and, and days where the hand of God, you, you, just, you couldn't make it up. These are things that you couldn't write. And of course, examples of that wisdom, we see loads of them. I've just chosen a few. So in the Old Testament, in 1 Kings 3, we have two mothers who had two babies, and one of the babies died in the middle of the night, and the other mother stole the baby while my mom was sleeping, stole the one who hadn't died. And of course, um, they come to the king, this is my baby, no, it's my baby, no, it's my baby, no, it's my baby. And Solomon says, oh, I'll solve this, get me a sword. And we cut the baby in half. And then you can have a half each. And of course, the mom whose baby had died thought, well, at least then there'd be no baby. So yeah, it's a good idea. But the true mom said, oh, no, 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 don't do that. Just give her the baby. That's that's wisdom. That's wisdom. And of course, we see it in the life of, of Joseph, don't we? We see supernatural wisdom coming into his life where he comes and he interprets dreams. We see it with Daniel who... Um, won't bow down to the king, gets thrown into a den of lions. On and on we could go. We see it in the New Testament whenever um, they try to trick Jesus about paying his taxes and he brings the coin and he says, whose who's insignia is on the coin? They say, well, it's Caesar. Well, then he said, give to Caesar what's Caesar's. That's pretty wise, isn't it? Render unto God the things that are God. So 
Words of wisdom are really, really powerful. And you find that sometimes when the prayer ministry people are praying with you and there's just a little word of wisdom, that, that, uh, uh, like a word of direction that just helps you um, uh, make, make a decision. And then the word of knowledge is almost the same. It, is a, it sort of runs parallel with the word of wisdom, but maybe more reveals something factual with a supernatural endowment of knowledge that could not be known, only God revealed. I love this one. I love this one. Sometimes when I'm praying for some of you, I find God gives me things that I wouldn't know any other way. I wouldn't know any other way that, that, that only God popped it into my spirit. All right? And loads of examples through the Bible about that. Nathan to David, and that's the story where David had sinned. And um, Nathan came to visit him, and Nathan presented him with a scenario. He said to him, what, what about this, this farmer who has a hundred sheep and his neighbor has one and he just gets jealous of his neighbor's one and he goes and he kills the neighbor and steals his one sheep and David says that's a rascal that person bring him to me and I'd, I'll, I'll put him to death and Nathan said you're the man you're the man because David had all of these wives and all of these concubines but he was one day when his army was at war and he was up um, lounging about when he should have been out fighting, he spied Bathsheba taking a bath on the rooftop and he thought, I've got to have her. So he walked past all of his wives. He walked past all of his concubines, any one of them who would have given the right arm to sleep with the king and he slept with his neighbor's wife. And Nathan, God gave Nathan a word of knowledge to bring him. Elijah and Gehazi, Alan shared about this in the prayer meeting um, last time where Gehazi is panicking because the, 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 the armies of the king have come against them. And of course, Elijah just prays, Lord, open Gehazi's eyes, open my servant's eyes, and he sees the angelic hosts in the hills. On and on I could go. There's so many things. And then, of course, Jesus with the woman at the well um, where... Uh, remember, she run into the town and she says, come see a man who told me all things ever I did. That's word of knowledge. Um, so it's very powerful, very powerful. And it's something as you pray for people that you should really seek after because I think it's, especially those prophetic prayer ministry people, it's a great, great tool in your private prayers. And then lastly, we have the distinguishing of um, uh, spirits. So this is a, a gift of discernment, all right? And um, this, with spirit, it, it sort of tells what spiritual powers are at work, what motives are going on. Very, very useful. And um, there's a gift of discerning what's going on in the spiritual atmosphere. These gifts help us discern what's truly in the spiritual community. You know, sometimes, sometimes you can come into church and you might think, oh, just something not right. It's just something out of sync today. And you don't know what that might be. And that's why prayer ministry people and prophetic people are really, really important. And that's discernment. And if ever there was a day we need discernment, we need it in this day. We need it. And again, there's loads of examples, not go into them this morning, but there's loads of examples right throughout the New and the Old Testament. I'm just picking through an odd one here and there, but there's so many of them that just show where that, that, that gift of discernment and young people who are in here today, vital age, this is something. Don't think we're talking to adults today. We're talking to you guys because you are young adults. 
We're talking to you. These are giftings that you should be asking God for, asking God for wisdom, asking God for words of knowledge for your friends. Imagine being able to go into school tomorrow, into university, and say, I was praying about you last night, and I felt the Lord say this. And the person said to you, Whoo, wow, I, that is so spot on. That, that's, that's what these gifts are, or the gift of discerning of spirits, that you begin to realize what's going on in your community, because this isn't just to be used in church, this is to be used in your schools and in your universities, and you'll be able to discern what's going on in, in the midst of that community. So there's so much about this that we could, and, and these, are, these are used to, to build up the church, and it's important to realize that the spirit is real and active, and if we don't get that we won't have the openness to the gifts. And here's the thing, they're available to all of us. I love this passage in 1 Corinthians 14 in the message. Let me read it really slow to you, very powerful, and then we'll finish. I'll pray and we're done. God's various gifts are handed out everywhere. But they all originate in God's spirit. They're his, all right? God's various ministries are carried out everywhere but they all originate in God's spirit. They're his. God's various expressions of power are in action everywhere, but God himself is behind it all. Each person has given something to do that shows who God is. Young person in here, older person in here. Do you hear that? Each person, not particular people, not odd people, You're all looking at me now, aren't you? Um, Each person has given something to do that shows who God is. Everyone gets in on it. Everyone gets in on it. Everyone benefits. All kinds of things are handed out by the Spirit to all kinds of people. And the variety is wonderful. Isn't that pretty cool? I wish I'd wrote that. Um, The variety is wonderful. Everybody gets in on it. This is where the body begins to work. This is why we don't want a hierarchy. We have never wanted a hierarchy in church. It's, it's the old, I've, my dad loved the old westerns, the team of horses. It's pulling together. We yoke ourselves together. Leadership and body, we, we yoke ourselves together and we do this. This is why we can put 10,000 bags into Ukraine. Why? Because we yoke together and we do it together. That's the work of the church. Let's pray. I thought we'd get time to do a song, but time's gone and uh, tea's ready. Can you do me a favor? If you're under 20, if you're under 20, would you stand just as a prayer? Marty, don't you dare stand. (laughs) Hmm. Brilliant. Look around you, folks. Look around the room. Do you see that? This is not the church of tomorrow, by the way. This is the church. This is the church. And um, just uh, stand, because I'd love to pray for you guys especially. Lord, I just thank you for week C. 
Thank you for all our young people who are in church. And Lord, we just pray over them right now. God, as they carry these giftings, God, may the power of your Holy Spirit work through the body. May everyone benefit. God, may their schools be different because these guys carry this into their workplace, or into their schools, into their studies, into their school mates. God, would you just bless them? Would you anoint them? Would you give them wisdom, Lord? Would you give them words of knowledge for their friends, God? Lord, would you give them discernment? Lord, give them discernment right now in the name of Jesus to know what's going on. Understanding the times, God, that we can look to the news and we can look to everything else, but looking on to you, the author and the finisher of our faith. So, Lord, just anoint them, we pray, and bless this word all our hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed listening to this podcast. For more information about our church and all that we do, please visit our website at emmanuel-church.co.uk.